you're about to listen to a broadcast from the Greater Harvest Church in Ellenwood, Georgia. In this episode, Dr. Ed Montgomery Sr. ministers a powerful message entitled Getting Right with God. Stay tuned. This morning, we're going to be reading from the book of Psalm, the 15th chapter or the 15th Psalm. And we're going to start reading at the very first verse down all the way through the chapter. It's a very short chapter, only five verses. But I thank God because the Lord is so merciful. He watches over us ever so carefully. And he blesses us. Amen. Even when we don't deserve to be blessed, God blesses us. And I praise God for it because, you know, the, the, to live a saved life is, is a life that it's, it's not just effortless. I want everybody to understand that. It's not just effortless. In other words, you don't just get on it like a sliding board and just slide your way into heaven. No, it's not like that. But you've got to put forth some effort. Amen? Amen. Yeah, you've got to put forth an effort. And I glorify God on today because I can imagine the author of this psalm is David, King David. And David went through a lot of things. He experienced a lot of things. He, he actually went to, uh, through a situation with his family. Now, how many of y'all know that there's no drama like family drama? Amen. 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 When you got family drama, you sure enough got some drama going on. Amen. Amen. And David had some family drama going on. His Amen. son, he was in a dispute with his son Absalom. And his son was, was wanting to be the king. And some of the people were for Absalom, and some of the people were for David. Yes. So he had some drama going on, and, and Absalom got to the point to where he got a majority of the people trying to, to oust King David. But the Lord had anointed David to be king. Yes. You see, when God has appointed you to do something, there's nothing anyone else can do or say about it. They may try and they may come against it, but they can't defeat it. Because when God has decreed it, no one can defeat it. Amen. So David, he had been anointed and appointed king. But his son thought that he should be the king. He said, David is too lenient. David, he, 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 he lets people get away with things that I wouldn't let him get away with. And he, he, he does things sometimes in a way that, that is loving and that's caring. Whereas I would deal with them harshly. And the thing about Absalom, he liked to listen to his friends. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, he liked to listen to his friends. He liked to listen to the advice of his friends. When his friends would tell him to do something, in spite of those who had good counsel and who had wisdom telling David to do the opposite, he would listen to his friends and he would get into trouble. I mean, in Absalom. Absalom would listen to his friends and would get into trouble. So they had told Absalom, you should be the king. Your dad is too soft. He's gone old and he's gone soft. So you should be the king. You're next in line. So you should be the one who should be ruling the people. And David said, no, that's not how God wants this to go. So David began to oppose his son Absalom. And Absalom Got, got to the point where he was pursuing his own father. He was chasing after his own father. And David was hiding in caves and behind rocks and things of that nature. He was trying to avoid being caught because he knew that the men that were for Absalom would surely put him to death. 
So David, in this psalm, no doubt he was contemplating his relationship with God, with the Lord, and knew that the Lord was with him, that the Lord had guided him and led him and had spoken to him, and he began to ask a question of the Lord. And that question is found in the 15th chapter of Psalm, the first verse. It says, Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? He that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness speaketh the truth in his heart. He that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor doth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach or a breach or a conflict against his neighbor, in whose eyes a vile person or a very, very uh, a discrepant person is contempt or condemned, but he honoreth them that fear the Lord. He that sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not. Yeah. He that putteth not out his money to usury or for the interest of, you know, obscene interest rates, nor taketh reward against the innocent. He that doeth these things shall never be moved. I thought about that scripture and I said, well, Lord, you know, David, sure enough, was at a point where he was reflecting on things that were going on in his life. He asked the Lord, who shall abide in your tabernacle and who shall dwell in your holy hill? Now, those two words got me because when you are abiding in something, that means you are living there. You are in the center of it. You're in the midst of it. If, if, if some people will ask you the question, what is your abode? In other words, where do you actually live? Where do you take up residence? What is your abode? So he, he was asking, who's going to have residence in your tabernacle? Your tabernacle. And see, we had to break this thing apart because in a tabernacle, when the Lord created the tabernacle and had Moses to design it, way, way back in the Old Testament, when we were talking about with the, the children of Israel in the wilderness, the Lord told Moses to build a tabernacle. And they built a tabernacle, to, 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 I mean Abraham, he told them to build a tabernacle, and the tabernacle, it was like a tent. Uh -huh. But it was a place where the Lord could abide. It was yes. a place where the Lord could reside, because they were in the middle of nowhere. They were in the middle of the desert, in the wilderness, yes. in the middle of nowhere. Uh -huh. Some people today may feel that you are in the middle of nowhere. Yes. Amen, not going forward, not going backwards. You're just standing still in the middle of nowhere. But the Lord said, build me a tabernacle in the middle of nowhere. Hallelujah, Jesus. So you got to learn how to take what God has given you and make it what God wants you to have. He, he said, build me a tabernacle. Build me a place for me to abide with you. For me to, to come in and reside with you. A place where I can dwell with you. Who shall abide in your tabernacle, Lord? Who's going to live there? Yeah. And who shall dwell in your holy hill? Your holy hill, now a hill is a is a large place. So you don't have no, just a little, little small old bump. That's not a hill. No, a hill is a large place. It's not, it may be not as big as a, a huge mountain, but nonetheless, it's a, a large place. And it takes effort to get up a hill. Yeah. Or 
Oh, yes, it does. You, you see, you, you got to realize when you're trying to get up a hill, you're going against the grain. You're going up. You're exerting some energy to get there. So I'm here to tell you that in order to abide in God's tabernacle and in order to dwell in his holy hill, you're going to have to put forth some effort. Yeah, it's going to take some work. It's going to take some work. You don't get into the kingdom of God just because of your looks. No, 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 no. As pretty as you may look, you're not getting in just because of your looks. You're not getting into the kingdom of God just because you did one or two nice things. But it's going to take some effort for you to abide there. To abide in something means to stay there. Yeah, people will ask you, where do you stay? Yeah, where do you stay? Where do you stay? When you say, where do I stay over at, on such and such street, or I stay in such and such city, that means you reside there. You live there. You have a right to be there. Oh, come on, somebody. When you have a right to be there, you can say, yeah, this is where I stay. Yeah, you can tell people this is where I stay. If you live in a really nice house, you're not ashamed for someone to come by and to see where you stay. But now, if you're living in something, if you're living in a tent, a makeshift tent, or in a, a cardboard box, you don't want to necessarily tell somebody, oh, yeah, right there, oh, off of the interstate, off of exit, such and such, that's where I stay. I live in a, a cardboard box, and I stay under the bridge. That's where I stay. Well, if it is where you stay, and the Lord tells you, that's not where I want you to abide. In other words, that's not where I want you to live. So who shall abide in your tabernacle, Lord? Uh -huh. It takes effort, saints. Yeah. It takes effort. You've got to learn that putting forth the effort to God is not without cost. Amen. Yes, it's going to cost you something to stay there. Amen. If you're living in a place right now, amen, and unless it is a cardboard box, then yes, you're probably paying rent or paying a mortgage. Uh -huh. Or if you paid it off, you're paying taxes. And you're paying for the utilities in order to keep the lights on and the water running. You're paying something. It's costing you something yes. to stay there. Yes. yes, it is. It's costing you yes. something to stay there. If it didn't cost you anything, everybody would want to come and live with you. Amen. Oh, yeah. They say, uh, uh, sister, can I come and stay at your house? And you go, well, okay, because I don't have to pay no rent. I don't have to pay no mortgage. And next thing you know, the, the brother will come along and say, hey, can I stay there too? Because I ain't got no place to live. See, I see, when you're staying somewhere, it costs you something. Yes. After a while, if you're paying for the lights, and you're paying for the water, and you're paying for the gas, and you're paying for the phone, but you notice that everybody is staying there, but nobody's paying the bills. All right, oh, Jesus. That's a messed up situation. You talk about drama going on. You let a, a bunch of people stay in your house. I'm sleeping until 11 and 12 o'clock in the, in the afternoon and eating up all of your food and taking three and four showers a day and running all of the water and the water bill is just going up and up and up. And they all stay there, but nobody's paying the bills. Yeah, after a while, you're going to come through that house and you're going to say, some of y'all are going to have to get out of here because I can't afford to keep paying for this. And none of y'all are helping me out. Y'all can't stay here any longer. Yeah, and the, 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 the kingdom of God is just like that. You've got to learn that it costs something yes, it to stay. Who shall abide, Lord, in your tabernacle? Who shall dwell in your holy hill? Yeah. See, now the abiding, as I said, is staying, but dwelling means you're in and around it. It's like your environment. 
I tell people I dwell in the, the city of Atlanta. But it's not really Atlanta. It's a Stonecrest or Lithonia. It's not right now, right in Atlanta proper. But I dwell there. And they'll ask, you know, where about? I say, I live in the metro area. And they understand that I may not be in downtown Atlanta, but I live around there. So when I say, who shall dwell in thy holy hill? I'm talking about the environment of the Lord, where not only God's presence is, but where I'm near his presence as well. See, it's a good thing when you are not in the presence of God to be near the presence of God. Well, there's a difference. I may not be in the presence of God all the time, but I'm near the presence of God. And all I have to do is call out his name. And before I know it, I'm right in his presence. But when you're dwelling there, it says you're holy hill. So it's like the tabernacle, a holy hill takes something to get there. It takes something to climb a hill. It takes effort to climb a hill. Yes, if I'm living in the valley down there where the water's flowing and, and the trees are growing and it's shaded, I'm down in the valley. Yeah, I don't have to put forth a lot of effort to walk around because I'm in the valley. Now, things happen in the valley. It may not be as nice as up on the hill, but it's a valley. Amen? It's a valley, and I may dwell there, and I might live there for a while, but every now and then I wonder what's on top of the hill. Yeah, what's on top of the hill? I heard some people say one time that they live up on the hill. Uh, I said, well, what does that mean? They said, oh, you don't understand. See, I live on the hill. And that meant they had things going on. They meant they, they had put forth some effort to get there. It cost them some things to get there. Everybody can't live on the hill. All right, oh, Jesus. Everybody can't live on the hill. The hill only has so much room. So everybody can't live on the hill. But for those that live on the hill, they say, you know, it, taught, it took us something. I, I'm reminded of the song on the Jeffersons. It says, we're moving on up. Up to the top. Yeah, we're moving on up to the west side or east side. Amen. It says, we took a whole lot of effort just to get up that hill. Amen. Yeah, in other words, we didn't get here overnight. No, we didn't get here overnight. It took some work. It took some effort. It took some, some things for us to get to this point. And when you get when you put forth the effort to get someplace, you don't want to see somebody come along and just wash it all away or take it all away. You'll fight to stay on the hill. Oh, yes, you will. You'll say they, they, they tell you in the battle, if you're on the hill, you have an advantage point because you can see everything down and around you. You have an advantage point. You can see your enemies when they're trying to come up to attack you, and you can defend yourself, and you can work offensively towards them because you can see them before they can see you. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, you can see the enemy before he can see you. How many of you would like to be in a position where you can see what the devil is trying to do before the devil actually does it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If I can see what the enemy has planned, then I can thwart or I can prevent his plans. I can upset his plans and I can prevent him from doing what he's trying to do to harm me. Because I'm up on the hill. I have an advantage point. I can look down off the hill and see him and see what he's got planned. But see, he says, well, who shall dwell in your holy hill? Yes. If I'm dwelling in the holy hill of the Lord, 
that it's not necessarily in the tabernacle, but I'm around him. I'm in his environment. His, I'm near his presence. I'm in, and at any time, I can go into him. Because once you're up on the hill, you're on the hill. Yes. Amen? Amen? Once you're there, you're there. It may take the effort to get there. But once you're there, you're there. And that's exactly what the word is telling us here. It says that he that walketh uprightly in the second verse and worketh righteousness or the right order of God and speaketh the truth in his heart. Yeah. In other words, you've got to know how to do certain things in order to stay where God wants you to dwell. Yeah, you got to know how to do certain things. You got to know how to, to walk upright. You got to know what the righteousness of God is. If you don't know what God's right order is, you're bound to make a mistake. You're bound to trip up. You're bound to fall. Because you say, well, Lord, I didn't know that I needed to go to the right at this point. Or I didn't know I needed to go to the left at this point. I didn't know. Well, if you don't know, the Lord says, I, the, my word is the one that teaches you the way you should go. And if you get my word, then you won't be making these kinds of mistakes. Yes. Amen? Amen? I look at people so often and they will say, well, Pastor, you know, I, I made that mistake because I just, I just didn't know. And I said, well, have you been reading your word? Well, yeah, I've been reading your word. I said, well, then you must not be reading it enough. Because the word clearly tells you what you should and what you should not do. And the Holy Spirit, do you have the Holy Ghost? And yes, see, everybody that says they have the Holy Ghost, they don't have the Holy Ghost. Everyone that says they're saved are not really saved. Everyone that says that they have accepted Christ in their lives, but yet still they live like God is, has moved out. They look like he's got a different address. He no longer lives in their heart. And they make mistakes because they don't understand his word. But his word teaches us and his word guides us. And it says that when we, we, we speak the truth in our heart, the truth. In our heart. I'm coming back to that in a moment. It says in the third verse, and he that backbiteth not with his tongue. In other words, you're not constantly speaking against the word of God. There are people that will tell you, well, I don't believe everything that the word says. You know, certain things that I'll accept, certain things I just can't accept that. I'm sorry whether you can't accept it or not. If it's God's word, it's God's word. Whether you like it or not. Some things you take, you don't like. But you still have to take it. Yes. Some things you do, you may not like, but you still have to do them. Uh -huh. I don't like having to take medication for certain conditions that I may have, but I still have to take them. Uh -huh. Why? Because in order to prolong my life, I said, I've got to do what I may not want to do. Uh -huh. But it's good for me. And may not, I may not like it, but it's good for me. Tell it to somebody say, you may not like it, not like but it's good for you. Yeah, and that's exactly how the word is. Some things in the word cuts you because it's sharper than a two-inch sword. In other words, it cuts you coming and it cuts you going back out. Yeah, now that's pretty sharp. Isn't it? That's pretty sharp when it's cutting you both ways. Yeah, and the word will do that at times. Sometimes the word will cut you going and it'll cut you coming back out. You're like, wow, that's two cuts for every time it swing the blade. Well, that's how the word is. But after a while, you realize it was good that he wounded me. Yes, yes. Yeah, it was good that he afflicted me. The scriptures say for the, for the Savior that it was good for God to afflict him. Yes. Why? Because he knew it would take pain in order for Jesus Christ to shed his blood. Yes. He knew that it was going to take a crucifixion 
in order for him to raise triumphantly from the dead in a resurrection. He knew that it was going to take the people denying him and rejecting him in order for him to extend his mercy, not just to the Jews, but to the Gentiles as well. He says it was good to afflict him. So sometimes you realize, I, I heard people say, he said he likes to work out. And we have the expression, no pain, no what? No pain, no gain. Yeah, no pain, no gain. In other words, you keep working out until you feel a burn. And once you feel the burn, you know, oh yeah, now these muscles are really starting to stretch. They're really starting to rip. And the more the muscles rip and stretch and the more they rebuild, the more bulkier you become, the stronger you become. So sometimes pain has a way of making you strong. Hmm, Jesus. I know some people say, I don't like pain. I don't like pain at all. Well, pain is a necessary part of life. If you're going up the hill, you're going to have some pain. Right, Amen. You don't climb Stone Mountain just by just for I'm just gonna walk it and walk it and walk it and walk it. No, no. After a while, you're like this thing is getting getting painful. My legs are getting sore because I, I'm, I'm starting to experience opposition of this hill. Yeah. yeah. But when you once you get to the top, to the apex of the mountain, you can look down and say, Lord, I thank you that I made it. Uh, I thank you that I overcame. I thank you that I was able to get that behind me. So he says, those that, that, that taketh up no reproach against their neighbor, in whose eyes a vile person is contemned, and he honoreth them that fear the Lord. This next sentence in the fourth verse really got me. He says, he that sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not. In other words, Sometimes if you say something and you promise something or you make a vow to someone to do something, you got to fulfill that thing regardless of what it costs you. Yeah, you've got to be able to say, well, I, I made a vow unto the Lord and, and I can't take it back. Yes. Or I promised that I would do something for God and I... I swear, I, I decree, declare and decree that I will not take it back. I know it may cost me something to fulfill my promise. It may cost me something to fulfill my vow or to perform my vow. But I'm not going to change. Even though it may hurt me, I'm not going to change. Even though it may cost me more than what I expect, I'm not going to take it back. That's where the integrity of our heart comes from. We can judge the integrity of a person's heart when they say they're going to do something and they actually do it. Man. Not because it's popular, not because it's fashionable, not because it's politically correct, not because others may like it. In fact, the most significant decisions we can make come when others are in opposition. Man. When they oppose what we really need to do. Yes. It's not a, a, a strong person that makes decisions when everybody's going along with the answer. <laughs> but it's the person that makes the decision when people are saying, I disagree with you. When people are saying, I don't think this is the way we should go. When people are saying, no, I'm not going to support you if you do it. That's when you know whether or not you really and truly have a vow. That's when you have the integrity of a promise. 
That's what they, 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 when you tell them, that if they say, well, I'm going to meet you at such and such a time. I'll be there at 9 o'clock to pick you up. And at 9 o'clock, they're there. Yeah. Even if you're a few minutes late, they're there. Yeah. Because they promised that they would be there. And even if it costs them something to get there. If it costs them something to get there, then that means that it was not without cost. In other words, they said, I'm going to do it because I promised that I would do it. And a promise is a promise. Amen. Yeah, he says, he that sweareth to his own hurt. Oh, there's sometimes you open your mouth and you write a check with your mouth that your pocketbook can't, can't, can't cash. In other words, you say, I'm going to do such and such. Oh, yeah, 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 I'm going to do it. But then when it's time to do it, you go, oh, wow, I, I don't have enough. I can't do that. I can't do that. And people look and say, wait a minute. So I don't like that because now you're promising things and you're talking about you can't do it. you got to find a way to do it. And if, indeed, if you really and truly are someone who has the integrity of heart, you will find a way. Amen. Yes, you will. You will find a way. There's been many times when I've said I would do something. Thinking in my mind that it would be easy. And then after halfway in, realizing, whoa, this is hard. This is not as easy as I thought it was going to be. Well, just because I thought it was going to be easier doesn't mean I can walk off the job. It doesn't mean I can give up and quit. No, but I've got to do it even to my own hurt. Even when my muscles are saying we're tired and we can barely do any more. Even when my sweat has been draining and I'm dehydrated. Even when I don't even have enough money to buy more materials. i got to find a way to get more materials. Yes. Why? Because I said I made a vow and I won't take it back. Yes. The Lord said he that sweareth to his own hurt. The one who, who the Lord looks at and says... I'm willing, God, to go even though it's going to cost me more than I thought it would. Do you think it was a cheap thing for your salvation, for Christ to pay that price on that cross? Do you think, that was, do you think it was easy? No, it wasn't easy for him to do that. No doubt when he got up on that cross and he looked, or when he was going through that process of being crucified, he said, Lord, let this cup pass from me. In other words, this is a, this is a lot. This is more than what I bargained for. But just still, he said, nevertheless. Yeah. We've got to get a nevertheless attitude about ourselves. When we promise to do something for the Lord, we got to get a nevertheless attitude. Yeah. I'm looking for people who have a nevertheless yeah. attitude. Right, people who said, I'm committed to the church. So yeah. nevertheless, nevertheless, I'm going to do what the Lord says do. Yeah. Yeah. I'm committed to my relationship with God. Yeah. So I don't care what may be coming or what may be going. Yeah. Nevertheless. I'm going to do what the Lord has commanded me to do. I'm looking for people who have that kind of attitude, a nevertheless attitude. I can work with people who have a nevertheless attitude. Nevertheless, I know, Pastor, that this is hard. But nevertheless, we're going to get it done. I know that it's, it's a long way for us to go. But nevertheless, we're going to make the journey. I know that it's hard sometimes to love some people who don't love you. But nevertheless, I'm going to love them anyway. I'm going to treat them right anyway. Even though they've done me wrong, I'm still going to treat them right. Yeah. Nevertheless, yeah. nevertheless, Glory. when we get a nevertheless attitude, then yeah, we are doing it sometimes to our own hurt. Yes. Our own hurt. He says, he that putteth not out his money to usury. In other words, don't take advantage 
of those who are under or disadvantaged or who are under uh, underprivileged. Don't take advantage of somebody because you have power. Now that is not the world system that we live in. We live in a capitalistic society. They'll see you down and they'll say, how can I take advantage of what you already have? Yeah, in fact, the, the ones who pay the highest interest for their loans are not the people who can pay the money back. It's the people who can barely pay it back. And they say, well, let's charge them more. Let's charge them 30% interest or 35% interest. And the ones who can afford to pay it, who have thousands and thousands of dollars in the bank, let's charge them 5% interest. Because they can afford to pay us back. It's easier. They don't have to borrow the money. That's the mentality of the world. Yeah. But that's not the mentality of God. Man. God says, I look at those that are impoverished. I look at those that are poor. Those that are, don't have all of the things, the, the, the necessities of life. I look at them and I figure out how can I help them. See, the, 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 and now that's the heart of a king, saints. And I'm about finished with this message. Because that is the true heart of a king. David could appreciate these things and David could write about these things because David was a king. God looks at you when you're in your poor state, when you're in your impoverished state, when you need his help the most. And he turns around and he blesses you beyond measure. And you wonder why God blesses you like that. It's because of his love for you. God says, who, who is it that will love me the most? The one who I do the least for? Or the one who I have to do the most for? Who do you think will love me the most? And surely the answer is the one who he has to do the most for. The poor person who says, I can barely pay my bill. Well, if I've got millions of dollars, that's the person I want to bless. Because that's the one who will say, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I didn't have enough. But the one who has enough says, I don't need your money. Keep your money. I can pay my own bills. But just wait until they get to a point to where they can no longer pay the bill. And then they come to you and say, can you help a brother out? Can you help a sister out? I said, oh, no. Now I want to be a little bit arrogant. Now, oh, no. You had your own money. You can pay your own bills. Now I start giving them back what they gave me. Yeah, why? Because we're human like that. We're human like that. But God doesn't work like that. No, God says, I help those who need my help. I help those who, who are in need. And I don't take advantage of those who are already disadvantaged. No, God helps those who are advantaged and who are disadvantaged. But he helps the ones who are disadvantaged the most. Because they appreciate it the most. He says, nor take the reward against the innocent. When you do these things, then God sees that, yes, you are worthy to dwell and not be moved from off of God's holy hill. Not to be moved. When you're doing the things that God commands you to do, then you because see, you appreciate them. Yeah, you appreciate them. When you do the things that God commands you to do, you'll appreciate them more. Yeah, it, 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 when it costs you something, saints. I'm, I'm not talking to somebody right now. When it costs you something, you'll appreciate that thing so much more. Amen. Yes, you will. If everybody gave you everything, you just born with a little silver spoon in your mouth. 
Everything gets put for you here. You want something to eat? Here you go. You want to buy this? Here you go. If you just speak out, Mama or Daddy, can I get such and such? And they go, okay, here you go, here you go. And you get accustomed to having things all the time given to you. Then you won't appreciate what you have. Amen. 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 You'll say, well, if somebody came and took it, it doesn't matter because it was given to me anyway. Doesn't mean a whole lot to me because somebody gave it to me. Because you don't understand the cost. You don't understand the value of it. And to you, it's just a thing. But to them, it may have cost their last dollar to get you that thing. And when they and when it cost them something to get it to you, then they'll say, now don't you appreciate it? They'll tell you, take care of it. And yes, I gave it to you, but take care of it. Because it cost me something to get it to you. And this is what God is saying to us. We've got to take care of our precious gift of this Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost that he's given us, because it cost him something to get it to us. Amen. The Holy Ghost wasn't free. Amen. No, the Holy Ghost wasn't without cost. He says that it was purchased with his own blood. Yes, it was. Well, if it was purchased with his own blood, then you know it cost him something. How many of you, if I told you I got a, a, a something over there and I'm willing to sell it to you, but I need you to cut your wrist and give me three three pints of your blood in order to pay for it? I don't want the money. I just need your blood. And you say, whoa, three pints of my blood, that, that, that might kill me. And I go, well, so what? If you really want it, you can have it. But I need your blood. How many of you cut your wrist and give them that thing with your blood? Not very many. Most people will say, you know what? It's not worth it. I don't value it. I don't value it that much. Not, not to give, give my own blood. But that's exactly what God did for us. He gave his son, who in turn gave his own blood for our lives, for our freedom, for our salvation. Yes. It cost him something. Yes, it did. It cost him something. And because it cost him something, he expects something in return. He expects your loyalty. He expects your commitment. He expects your service. He expects your love. Because it was his love that he gained out. So therefore, he expects you to provide your love in return. That's what the scripture is talking about. Who shall dwell? In your holy hill. Who shall abide in your tabernacle where you dwell? Only people who are like you can live with you. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. If you get somebody who is the total opposite you to you, you're not going to stay there too long. If you like peace and they like confusion, you're going to say, you know, you need to go somewhere with that. Because I'm not, I'm not about all this confusion. You just like to keep a bunch of confusion. So we just can't see, see eye to eye. You need to go one way and I'll go another way. If you're living in a house and you can't get along and, and you're not like-minded, you're not like-minded, you like to keep things nice and clean and they like to keep things messy and dirty. You walk into the kitchen, there's pizza and crust and, and, and milk all on the table and, and food and ants and bugs and roaches and rats running all over the place. You say, my God, I can't stay here because you don't like to clean up. We, we, we definitely can't stay together because we don't have the same mind. And God wants the people in his kingdom who have the same mind as he has. He wants people in his kingdom who understand what righteousness is right order is and who can practice doing the right things. Yes. Turn to your neighbor and say, just do the right thing. Do the right, right. Just do the right thing. You can dwell with the kingdom in the kingdom with our Lord and 
Savior Jesus Christ if you just do the right thing. Yeah. That's what it takes for you to abide, for you to dwell, to, to abide in his, his tabernacle, for you to dwell in his holy hill. you got to know how to do the right things. Yeah. Now, if you don't learn how to do the right things, you're not going to be dwelling with a lot of people who don't like to do the right things. And there's a place for people that are like that. And it's certainly not the kingdom of God. But it's a lake that burns with fire and fire. So do the right thing. Know what God is asking for us. And do the right thing. He says, yes, those are the ones who doing those things shall never be moved. Never be moved. In other words, never is never. Never means never. And the answer to them of never is forever. If I said that I'm never going to move out of the kingdom of God, that means I'm going to abide there forever. Amen. If I say I'm never moving from this spot, then you expect me to stay here forever. But see, God's kingdom, he says that you shall never be moved. I like how he tied abiding, dwelling, staying, and dwelling all in the same word and, 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 and putting them as it relates to movement, he lets us know that when we do the things that Christ wants us to do, we won't be easily moved. Man. No, but we'll be abiding with him forever and ever. That is my desire on today's saints, and it is my desire for you, for each and every one of you to abide with our Lord forever. But we've got to learn how to practice living with him down here. Man. Yeah, we got to learn how to practice doing the things that he wants us to do that are right down here on this earth. That's our job right now is to demonstrate to our Lord that, Lord, I can love my brother and my sister. I can speak to my brother or my neighbors without telling lies. I can go do things that you ask me to do. I can help the poor. I can, 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 I can visit the sick when they're inflicted and they're, when they're down and need my assistance. I can demonstrate the love that you want me to demonstrate right here, right now. I can do that now. Because if I do it now, then you'll see when it's time for me to abide with you forever. I'll already have those characteristics in me. You won't have to teach me how to love my brother. Or teach me how to love my sister. Or teach me how to love my neighbor. I will have already learned that lesson. Because I want to abide with you. And if it is your desire today, I compel right now... This, this to you, I make this declaration to you that you can do it by giving your life to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You can do it. You don't have to be wishy-washy in the church today, out the church tomorrow. No, you can abide with him forever. If you can demonstrate to the Lord that you can live saved down here, then surely you'll be saved in the kingdom. Yes. It won't be a problem for you to live righteously in the kingdom if you learn how to live righteously down here. Yes. Amen. Amen. We praise God for the word. And I'm going, to go ahead, I'm going to go ahead and just open up a word of prayer for those who have listened to this message. Who said, Lord, it is my desire to, to, do it, to abide in your tabernacle. And it is my desire to dwell in your holy hill. Yes. I want that. That sounds real good to me. I want that. Then I'm going to ask that you pray along with me as we pray this prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus. I extend my hand to each and every one right now, God, who's reaching out to you. Say, Lord, please come into my life. Touch my life, God. 
allow me to be able to abide in your tabernacle. Let me, Lord, dwell in your holy hill. It is my desire, Lord, to do it even now to demonstrate a life that you will be pleased with, a life of right standing, a life of righteousness, a life of making the right decisions, God. That's my desire. I pray right now, Father, that you'll cover them, Lord, with your Holy Spirit. Let them right now know, God, that your Spirit is here to keep them and to help them to accomplish your will. Lord, please right now, Father, as they open up their hearts, as they yield their will and their selves to you, accept them right now, Father, in the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Now, Lord, watch over each and every one who may be experiencing sickness, or who may be going through something, Lord, whatever it may be that may have them bound. We ask that you loose those bounds today. Let your Holy Spirit do the work, God, to set them free today in the name of Jesus. And we know that our words have power, so therefore we release it right now into the atmosphere that it may seek whom and whoever it is for, and that it will accomplish that which it is set after. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. Amen. For those that are seeking to become part of this ministry, we continue to open up our doors to you. Even though they're virtual, for right now, the virtual doors are open. Amen. You can still give your life to Christ. Let us know. Write us at our P.O. box or respond on our website to let us know that you indeed are looking for a relationship with God and you seek a church that will help you cultivate and develop that relationship. If that is you, we ask that you'll take that action. Do it today, amen, to Greater Harvest Church. And we thank you for it and we will certainly receive you in Jesus' name, amen. You have just listened to another episode of the Greater Harvest Podcast. We hope that you have had an ear for what the word has to say to you. And we pray that your life will be changed for the better as a result of that. Please join us here again very soon and follow us on Instagram and Facebook for even more from the harvest. See you soon. Be blessed.